Well, hey, we're in week 10 of our series on the Gospel of Mark, and I'm getting really excited because we only have six chapters left in the Gospel of Mark, which means we have six weeks left in our series, and our series ends on Easter Sunday. So I got really excited preparing this message because Easter is six weeks away. It's the most exciting Sunday of the year, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And then I was like, oh no, Easter's only six weeks away, and we have a lot of work to do. So I want to encourage you to start thinking of someone that you can invite to church with you on Easter Sunday. And the day before Easter Sunday is our annual Easter egg hunt. So on the 20th of April, we will put the word out to a lot of international families. Last year, we had 80 children at our Easter egg hunt. This is our biggest opportunity of the year to connect with families who who aren't part of the church. Um, So we'll be giving you information later about volunteering for that. But put that on your calendars and invite some people to come to our Easter egg hunt. It's always a lot of fun. We're starting to uh, look for candy. So if any of you have votes for what kind of candy you would like for your children to find in their Easter eggs, You can let me know, but I can't promise you anything. Okay, anyway, we're in Mark chapter 10 today, and I'm excited about this message because this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. This is a story that has transformed the way I pray, and I'm so excited to share with you what God has shown me through this story today. So we're in Mark chapter 10. We're starting in verse 46, and Mark writes, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, get on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let's pray as we prepare to dive into this today. Father, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is active, it's alive, and it's sharp. It speaks to our spirit. We pray today, God, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would illuminate it through your Holy Spirit. And God, I believe that you have something for each person here today. So I pray that you would speak through me, and we open our hearts before you. We surrender ourselves to whatever it is that you want to do in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love this story because Bartimaeus is one of my favorite people when it comes to learning how to pray. And I grew up in church and I had a lot of people tell me I need to be praying. Um, Just a couple months ago, all all these people were recommending this book about prayer. And so I read it and the whole book was like, you need to pray more you need to be praying. And I'm like, yes, but how? We talk a lot about how we really need to pray, but we don't talk a lot about how to pray and learning how to pray. So this morning, I want to talk about the lessons that Bartimaeus teaches us about prayer. The first thing that Bartimaeus teaches us about prayer is that we can't be too proud 
to ask Jesus for help. In verses 46 through 48, it says that Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. We've said over and over again in this series that Jesus responds to desperation. We keep coming back to this over and over because every time Jesus intervenes in someone's life, every time someone gets the miracle that they were looking for, it was because they presented a desperate need to Jesus, and Jesus responded to their desperation. Bartimaeus was desperate, and he had nothing left. He was not too proud to ask Jesus for help. And what I love about the way that Bartimaeus calls to Jesus is it models for us the same thing that Jesus teaches us to do in the Lord's Prayer. The first thing Bartimaeus says is he says, Jesus, son of David. He ascribes lordship to Jesus. He ascribes importance to Jesus before he says, have mercy on me. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us how to pray. And he teaches us to say, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we turn it inwards and say, give us this day our daily bread. So first we say, God, you are holy. We want your kingdom to come. The thing that we want most is for your kingdom to come to earth. And we acknowledge that without you, we can't even have our daily bread. So we pray that you will provide us with the things that we need to survive. This guy did the same thing that Jesus modeled for us, which was saying, God, we recognize your lordship, we recognize your power, and we recognize that we are nothing without you. We recognize that we are completely at the mercy of your love and generosity in our lives. When we pray, we have to contrast God's power and holiness with our own weakness. See, sometimes we try to do it on our own. We try to lean into our own strength. We try to lean into our own ability. And in doing that, we ignore the fact that God is all-powerful. God can do anything that we need him to do. God can intervene in any situation. But we have to start with saying, God, you are holy. You are powerful. And I am completely at the mercy of what you would choose to give me. Bartimaeus got it. Bartimaeus said, Jesus, son of David... Have mercy on me. Desperation says, I have nothing left if you don't come through for me. We see this over and over again in the book of Mark. The woman who pushed through the crowds, the man whose daughter had died, over and over again we see people that said, I have nothing left, I have no pride left, I have no hope left beyond what you can do for me, Jesus. What we learn over and over again is that the only requirement for grace is recognizing our need for it. A few verses before this, Mark paints this beautiful picture of this moment where there was a large crowd and Jesus was teaching them. And it says in verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. 
And he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. See, the disciples, they had other, uh, they had other priorities. And people were bringing their kids to Jesus because they saw what Jesus was capable of and they wanted the blessings from Jesus to rest on their children for the rest of their children's lives. And the disciples were like, can you please go to the back of the line? Like your kids are being really annoying, they're being really loud, and there's other people here that are very important, so your child is not a priority. And Jesus goes, no, 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 the weakest ones are exactly my priority. The ones that have nothing to offer me are exactly my priority. Get out of the way and let them come to me. Jesus said it. He said, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. There's this moment where Jesus reminds us that we don't actually have anything to offer. We don't have anything to offer. Jesus accepts us because of his grace, not because of how talented we are or how well-spoken we are or how many books we've read or how much we have to offer him. We're to enter the kingdom like children. William Lane says it this way. He says, the kingdom may be entered only by one who knows he is helpless and small without claim or merit. These kids, the same thing happened to the kids that happened to Bartimaeus. They wanted to be close to Jesus. They wanted Jesus to touch them. They wanted Jesus to bless them. And there were people in the way saying, man, Jesus doesn't have time for you. Jesus has more important things to do than to do what you need him to do. But Jesus shows us that when you're desperate for Jesus, don't let anybody stand in your way. Don't let anybody tell you what Jesus does or doesn't have time for or what Jesus can and can't do. You push forward in desperation and Jesus will take care of you when you're close to him. If Bartimaeus had not made his need known, he would not have gotten his healing. If he had not made his need need known, he would not have gotten his healing. The Bible doesn't tell us if he was born blind. He may have been born blind. He may have gotten sick uh, later in his life. We don't know, and that's not really important. The point is that he was called, like the Bible calls him, blind Bartimaeus. Blindness was his identity. That was who he was. And it would have been easy for him to sit by the gate that day and say, you know, I'm just a blind beggar, and I'm pretty comfortable. I've learned how to make this work for myself. But as Jesus was passing by, Bartimaeus had hope that maybe there was a different story for him. Some of you have been sitting with your blindness for so long that you've given up on there ever being anything more for you. Some of you have been in the condition uh, for so long that you've given up that Jesus can pull you out of it. And maybe you've asked for help other times and Jesus hasn't come through. I don't know if other people had come by Bartimaeus. I don't know if other prophets had come by. I don't know if other men of God had walked by and Bartimaeus had asked them for help, but no help had come to this point. In Luke's account of the story, it says that Bartimaeus was sitting there and he heard a crowd. He heard a lot of commotion and he said to somebody, what is going on? What is this crowd all about? And the person said to him, Jesus of Nazareth is walking by. And that's when Bartimaeus starts yelling, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. See, when Bartimaeus found out that Jesus was there, he believed that anything was possible. He believed that the impossible was possible. And I want to let you know today, Jesus is here and anything is possible for you. Anything is possible because Jesus is here. 
Just like he was walking by Bartimaeus, Jesus is here today, and anything is possible. You know, that thing that you've given up on, that blindness, that situation in your life that you've given up on a miracle, anything is possible today in the presence of Jesus. The next thing that happens in this story is that Bartimaeus takes a step of faith, and he teaches us that we need to take a step of faith. In verses 49 through 50, it says that Jesus stopped. Jesus heard Bartimaeus, and he stopped, and he said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, get on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. Look, sometimes you need to take a step toward Jesus before you know how he's going to respond. Bartimaeus couldn't have been sure that Jesus was going to do what he needed him to do, but he trusted him for it. I have to be honest with you, if I had been in Bartimaeus' shoes, I don't know that I would have had the courage or the boldness or the desperation to cry out the way Bartimaeus did. And I don't know if I would have had the courage to get up in that moment and walk in front of other people and depend on Jesus that he was going to come through. See, Bartimaeus could have sat there and he could have said, man, Jesus, I don't need to get up and walk to you because I know you can heal me from far away, so just do it from over there. No, he immediately responded to what Jesus asked of him. See, sometimes belief requires action to back it up. And sometimes we have a part to play in the miracle that God wants us to do in our lives. Bartimaeus was ready. Bartimaeus was ready for the moment when God was going to come through for him. And I don't know how many days in the past he had asked God. I don't know how many other things he had done to try to get healing. But when healing presented itself, Bartimaeus was ready and waiting. One thing Jeanette has said to me a few times out of, I don't know what the source is. Is it Mark Patterson? Uh, She's told me, we got to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. You got to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. Because if Bartimaeus had sat there by the city gate just kind of saying, oh, Jesus is passing by? Okay, dear God, I pray that you would help Jesus to know that what I need. No, no, he didn't do that. He was ready. He did his part for the miracle. God had a part for Bartimaeus to play in the miracle. He got up, he got on his feet, and he threw his cloak to the side. He didn't hesitate. There are times when we need to have a physical response to what God is asking of us. Very often at the end of service, uh, I offer you a, an opportunity to respond to the message. You know, a few weeks ago, it was about denying yourself and taking up your cross. And I had everybody close their eyes and I said, if you're here and God is speaking to you that you need to deny yourself, raise your hand. And some people raise their hands. And then I prayed for you. I think that's an important moment because you have this moment even I do this. You have this moment where you're like, oh, I feel like I need to raise my hand, but I'm kind of like too embarrassed and like, who's looking at me? But that moment when you raise your hand and you say, you know what, I'm confessing, I'm admitting that I need God's help in this area. It does something. It takes you a step toward believing that God is going to come through for you. I've had this process in my life when it comes to our, our worship time. I love to worship. I love our worship times. I'm looking forward to Mariana being back with us so that I can worship and not play piano. But, uh, but I love our worship times. And I remember when I was a kid, I'd, I'd be in church. And I grew up in a Pentecostal church like this one. And I would stand there and I would look around and everybody was raising their hands. And I'd be like, oh, that looks really cool. I think God wants me to respond to worship that way. But I was like... I was too embarrassed, you know, I didn't know if someone was looking at me or if I would look weird. 
And so, uh, so as time went on, I was like, man, I just, oh, I just have to raise my hands. I just have to, I have to respond like this. And so I started doing this, you know, as small as I could. And this really felt like a big thing. I was like, oh my gosh, everybody's looking at me right now, but that's okay. <laughs> and I just tried to do it. And if any of you have grown up in churches like me, you know that moment. Or if you're really like, you just kind of do like at the bottom, you know, you just turn your palms face up. But it was like this little step in the right direction toward having a physical response toward what God was doing in my spirit. And as time went on, I I became more comfortable with it. And I began to have more freedom to respond the way I felt God was leading me to. And if you don't, you don't have to raise your hands in worship to respond to God. God looks at the condition of our hearts. But sometimes our bodies have to reflect what God is doing in our spirit. Sometimes when I pray, I just sit in my chair and I pray and I just sit there and pray. Other times I feel like I need to kneel down before God, because I need my body to reflect what's happening in my spirit. And that's what we see in this moment with Bartimaeus. It wasn't enough for Bartimaeus just to sit there and do what he had always done. He had to respond in a different way for God to do something new in his life. I want to encourage you guys. Some of you are here and you've been, you've been, you've been hitting up against a wall for so long and you're like, why won't God come through for me? Why won't God come through for me? Maybe God is asking you to take a step and you haven't had the courage to take that step yet. Today I'm praying that God will give you the courage to take the step that he's asking you to step so that he could release the miracle in your life that he wants to do. Bartimaeus gets up, it says he throws his cloak aside. In the research I did for this message, they said that it was very likely that his cloak would have been where he collected alms. So he's begging for money. It's likely that they would have put the money on his cloak and then he could gather it together. And if you've walked through Paris, if you walked on the Champs-Élysées or in the train stations, you've seen people face down begging with a cup or a cloth there to collect the money. And what does Bartimaeus do when Jesus calls him? He throws the cloak to the side because he's done with the cloak. He's done with the cloak because he knows God's about to come through for him and he's leaving behind plan B. If I was Bartimaeus, I might have kept that cloak and been like, okay, give me a second here, Lord. I'm just going (laughs) to gather my cloak up and put it in my pocket in case I need it later, but not Bartimaeus. He had such faith that God was going to come through for him that he was like, I'm standing up a beggar, but I'm not going to go back over there a beggar because God's about to set me free. You need to let go of plan B if you're asking God to do a miracle in your life. Jesus is here, and anything is possible. And then the next thing that Jesus does here, I believe that Jesus wants to do to some of you. Jesus asks Bartimaeus a question, and Bartimaeus teaches us that we need to be ready to answer the question that Jesus asked him. And this passage, more than any other in the Bible, taught me to pray. Because it says that Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Sometimes when I'm praying, I have to imagine Jesus standing in front of me saying, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And that does two things in my life. The first thing that does in my life is it aligns my will with the heart of the Father. A few years ago, I was going through a tough season in my life, 
and I was really praying about the situation, but I was kind of like praying in circles around it. You know, I wasn't really, uh, wasn't really praying anything specific. I just was kind of like complaining a lot in the time of prayer. And I felt like Jesus asked me, what do you want me to do for you? And in that moment, that question broke me because I could no longer pray what I had been praying because I knew that that was not in line with God's will for my life. I had to pray a different direction. And when I was confronted with that question, it's like God was asking me, what do you want more? Do you want what you want or do you want my will for your life? And I had to release it and I had to ask Jesus to release his will and his purpose in my life. So the first thing answering this question does is it realigns our heart and our will with the heart of the Father. But the second thing this does is it releases insane faith in us because it means unlocking your heart and asking Jesus for what you need. And it might mean asking Jesus for something that other people have said is impossible. What do you want me to do for you? And the guy was so quick to say, I want to see. I want to see. Anne Voskamp says this in her book, 1,000 Gifts. She says, to lack faith perhaps isn't as much an intellectual disbelief in the existence of God as fear and distrust that there is a good God. You know, sometimes I don't ask Jesus for what I need because I'm afraid that he doesn't care about me enough to do it. Sometimes I'm afraid that he has other priorities, like those kids that came to him, or like Bartimaeus. There's things in my spirit that say, Jesus doesn't really have time for you. Jesus doesn't care about you enough to come through for you like he came through for someone else. These are the moments when Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? That we have to open up our heart and trust that God is good, and he has good plans and good purposes for our life. And we ask him in faith for what we want. I want to encourage you to risk disappointment in your prayers. Risk disappointment in your prayers. You have to give God the opportunity to come through for you, and you can't try to save face here. This is what I try to do. A lot of times I start praying, but then I like arrange my prayer in such a way that I'm like, God, I need you to do this, but if you don't, I have another plan. So it's okay. I've got it under control, Lord, if you don't come through for me. I want to encourage you to risk disappointment in your prayers. Some of you have given up on praying because there was a moment in your life where you needed God to come through for you and he didn't come through. There was a moment that you prayed in desperation. You begged God to intervene. You begged God to do something and he didn't come through for you. And that's tough to say because sometimes we like to say, oh, well, you know, he came through just not in the way that you wanted. But the truth is that sometimes we pray God doesn't come through the way we want him to. And it leads us into such a place of disappointment that we just say, you know what, I'm going to give up. I'm done. I'm done praying. I'm done praying for healing. I'm done praying for relationships. I'm done praying for my finances because when I needed God, he wasn't there and he failed me. But prayer is about recognizing the sovereignty of God and approaching him with a childlike faith. See, the thing about entering the kingdom as a child is that kids don't always know what they need, do they? Kids don't always know what they need. And they'll ask their parents for things that aren't good for them or aren't healthy for them. And sometimes as a parent, you have to say no. 
should say no. If you're a parent and you never say no, we need to have a class for you. But if your kid comes to you and they're like, man, I would really like to have some ice cream after dinner. And you look at them and you say, no, that's not good for you. You can't have ice cream after dinner. Or no, we can't go to the park today because it's five degrees outside or whatever it is. There's a story there that the kid doesn't see that you see as the parents. And in a healthy parent-child relationship, if the child is disappointed in that moment, guess what? The next day, they're going to ask again. And the day after that, they're going to ask again. They're going to ask you every day for ice cream after dinner as if it's a reality in their life that it's ever going to happen. It's never going to happen, right? But they keep asking because they keep thinking, maybe, maybe this is the day mom will relent and we can go and get ice cream after dinner. Maybe this is the day they can relent and I can stay up all night long and I won't have to go to bed. Maybe this is the day that that's going to happen. That's how we should approach our prayers Sometimes we pray for something and it doesn't happen and we're like, well, I tried that and it didn't work out. But instead, we need to approach our prayers like children would. And if you ask for the same thing every day, day after day, eventually either God is going to do it or he's going to realign your will with his and reveal his purposes to you. You keep asking every day like a kid. And you know what? In a healthy parent-child relationship, if you disappoint your child, they still love you. And they still trust you. And somewhere in there, they know that there's probably something that they don't know and they're not aware of. And what do parents say all the time? When you get older, you'll understand. When you get older, when you can see things the way I see them, then you'll understand. Until then, you just have to trust me. This is how we are to enter the kingdom of God. We're to be like children. We're not supposed to have it all figured out. We're not supposed to have all the steps of the plan laid out. We're supposed to trust. In the section right before this, there's, there's this moment where James and John come to Jesus. And they're kind of like nervously approaching him. And Jesus asks them the same question he asked Bartimaeus. He said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Jesus... When we, when we get to the new kingdom, we want to sit next to you. We want to sit on your right and your left. Can you, can you do that for us? And Jesus was like, no, that's not the point of all this. That's not what we're doing here. And instead of saying yes to them, he realigns their will to his will. I want to let you know today that I know that some of you here, you're like Bartimaeus. And you're sitting there at the city gate. And maybe you've asked a lot of other, you've tried a lot of other things. You've asked Jesus for help and he hasn't come through for you and you're just kind of done. I want to dare you today to hope. I want to invite you today to allow yourself to have the courage to hope that what you've been asking for, what you've been contending for might happen. It might happen because Jesus is here and anything is possible. Bartimaeus dared to hope. He dared to hope. He dared to hope that the story was not over for him. He dared to hope that there was more to God's purposes for his life than him sitting by the gate and begging for alms for the rest of his life. He believed that there was a different story in store for him. Would you stand with me this morning? I know that it can be a really scary thing to hope when you've been disappointed. 
But Bartimaeus reminds us that it's that desperation. It's that moment of, man, I don't care what's happened in the past. I don't care what happens in the future. In this moment, I believe that Jesus wants to come through for me. That's the kind of hope and desperation that Jesus responds to. So I want to take just a few minutes, and Felipe is going to lead us in this song again. I want to take just a few minutes for us to reflect on what it is that God wants to say to us. And if you don't want to sing, you don't have to sing. If you need to just stand there quietly and listen to what God is saying to you, I want to encourage you to do that. If you need to take a moment and answer that question to Jesus, answer that, what do you want me to do for you question, I want to encourage you to do that in this moment. We're going to sing through this song again, and then I'll come up and close the service. But let's take just a moment to allow God to speak to us and work in our lives today.